Welcome to this week's Heathcliff. My name is Dave. This is the podcast where I describe and analyze the single panel comic Heathcliff, syndicated in newspapers around the country and available on Go Comics's website at gocomics.com slash Heathcliff. I do this for reasons I'm not sure of myself. I enjoy doing it. I don't like to analyze my enjoyment too much. That's a lie. I love to analyze everything about everything. That's also a lie. I don't love to analyze everything about everything. I wish I was the type of person who didn't analyze everything about everything. But I analyze everything about everything all the time, forever. It is it is uh, something that makes me uh, good at certain things and bad at everything else. Um, and, um, with that said, I am doing my best not to analyze why I am doing this. I think it is important to, uh, push myself that way. Usually pushing oneself requires doing something. In this case, pushing oneself requires not doing something. Look, let's get into the comics. I um, missed last week because I went home, which is a uh, now recurring theme of this podcast. I go and visit my um, elderly and declining parents who are increasingly demented, uh, who develop dementia at the same time, around the time started doing this podcast, and um, as, uh, as a result, I get sad, and I don't do this podcast for a little while, um, which makes it all sound like this is, all this is about this podcast, and that's not true, but um, it, it, that's just a way of explaining, like, I, I missed a week, so I'm going to try and do uh, two weeks in one podcast, uh, which I think will be a good exercise because it's going to require me to do them quickly. So we're going to begin uh, with the Heathcliff comic for um, Monday, April 29th, 2019. And let's get right into that. So we're in the ever-changing backyard of the ever-changing home that Heathcliff lives in. In um, this particular backyard version of it, uh, the, we see, as we often do, the home that Heathcliff lives in just in the sort of left um, upper quadrant of the panel. Um, one interesting thing about the home this time is that it it's enormous. Uh, it goes up from like one-third of the way up the panel, all the way up the panel. And yet we see with the windows uh, that there are only two stories to the home, which um, when you see the other characters in the panel um, contextualized next to the home makes it look like it's a home for giants because their heads barely come up to the bottom windowsill of the first floor window. Either that or they've been hit by a shrink ray. That could be the other case. Now, as to those people who are standing next to the home, um, one is standing on the Heathcliff home side of the fence, and that is the elderly woman who lives with Heathcliff, and the other is standing on the other side of the fence, that is the woman who uh, lives next door, 
and also depending on how the layout of the neighborhood is, uh, just all around Heathcliff's home. Um, she dresses identically to the woman who lives with Heathcliff, but is depicted with brown hair, so she's younger um, and clearly uh, working to insinuate herself on the family and take over for the older woman, muscle her out. I have a whole thing in my head about how this relationship works. But like I said, I'm trying to go quickly. So let's get to the uh, main action of the panel, which is in the foreground slash middle ground, dead center in the center of the panel. Uh, there is a giant sort of, looks like cement almost, uh, at least color out wise, but I think we're supposed to believe it's marble. Um, it's a giant block out of which um, something is being carved. And it is also very tall. It is tall enough that uh, a scaffold is next to it. And uh, the artisan chiseling uh, into it uh, is depicted as being atop the scaffold. Uh, the block itself is sort of in three quarters perspective towards us. It is a, uh, you know, monumental, but still um, a bust. So it's, it's, it's enormously sized, but it is a, a bust of a head. Um, no arms, just the head and sort of upper shoulder area. And the head is Heathcliff's head. It's got heavily lidded eyes. It's got a button nose. It's got Heathcliff's ears. And indeed, the artisan uh, to its right panel left on the scaffold is Heathcliff himself hammering away at a chisel uh, on, on the bust's right cheek. Um, so he's sort of finishing this thing up. In the bottom, uh, next to the house, uh, the woman's the woman who lives with Heathcliff, her mouth is open, so she's providing the caption to the panel, and the caption is, I wish we hadn't encouraged his art. About that, I'll say, one, um, while I understand this is a pain in the ass, because obviously marble's going to get everywhere, marble's expensive, I assume Heathcliff can buy his own marble, though, because he's wealthy, and I assume this is loud and annoying and whatever, um, one, Heathcliff could be doing other things, and most of the other things he's depicted as doing are, uh, possess a purity of evil that is hard to get your head around. He is bad. So he's doing this instead. So that's, that's good. Two, I get the distinct impression that whether or not you encourage Heathcliff to do something, he's going to do it. So don't take this on yourself, lady. Just, uh, this isn't about you. This is about what Heathcliff wants to do right now, which is this. Also, you have a cat, and it can make art. And the fact that you are not wealthy is your own fault, because everybody should be beating a, a, uh, a path to your door to see the cat that can make art. You are sitting on a gold mine, lady. Get over it. Let's move on to the Heathcliff comic for Tuesday, April 30th, 2019. Okay. 
So we're inside Heathcliff's home. Um, again, the room layouts and uh, setup of the home itself is constantly changing. And it, it, it does provide a certain sense of dislocation and um, uh, alienation to the reader if you're paying close attention, which clearly you are not meant to. But I do. We can see from one room into the other. In um, the foreground room, I think it's meant to be sort of a living space, li uh, living room, uh, but we don't see any furniture. We can just see the wall with a pass-through archway into the next room, which is definitely the kitchen. We can see a refrigerator and some cabinetry in the background. Um, in the room, uh, in the foreground room, so in the extreme foreground, there is an empty glass with a straw in it, which is weird. Standing next to that glass, sort of uh, in, the, in the middle ground of the panel, though still in the uh, lower left corner, is Heathcliff. And Heathcliff is holding a super soaker. It's a very distinctive water gun, you know, those ones with the, with the reservoir, uh, sort of oval reservoir on the top. Uh, back in the day, you would have to pump them and uh, you'd pump pressure into that reservoir with pump, and then you could fire the super soaker real far and hard, and that was awesome. I assume now uh, the kids have an app for that because uh, everything is an Uber now. Anyway, uh, Heathcliff is, is holding the super soaker, and he's firing the super soaker, uh, and, the, and the stream of super soaker liquid moves from uh, his... Uh, super soaker in the left side of the panel across the panel to the right side of the panel in a straight line where it is uh, just creaming two mice and the mice are getting knocked about by it, which is kind of humorous. Um, in the background of the panel, standing in the archway uh, between this room and the kitchen in the background is the elderly woman who lives with Heathcliff. She is dressed as she's always dressed in a purple skirt suit thing. Um, she's cross, so her her um, hands are on her hips, and she's got a cross expression on her face, and her mouth is open. And she's providing the caption for the panel, therefore. And the caption is, the kale juice was for you to drink. And she's looking at Heathcliff. So clearly Heathcliff took this kale juice and was like, I don't want this. Put it in a super soaker and fired it at these mice. Why you would give kale juice to a cat. I mean, that's, again, this lady's taking it on the chin so far this week, but this is all on her. One, don't give kale juice to a cat. I don't, like, do you not know cats? How do you live this long with a cat, any cat, and give it kale juice? Two, how do you live this long with Heathcliff and think kale juice is a good idea? Three, Heathcliff is actually now providing a service to the family by assaulting these mice. Mice are disgusting vermin that bring in disease. They shouldn't be in this home. Heathcliff's attacking them. Uh, half the panels in Heathcliff are about how Heathcliff doesn't attack these mice and instead is too lazy. The other half are about the creative and horrifying ways he attacks these mice. 
uh, Heathcliff is a little inconsistent in in this, but regardless, at least he's doing it. You know, like, okay, it's a waste of kale juice, but you wasted that kale juice as soon as you put it in front of Heathcliff. Let's move on. So here's the Heathcliff comic for um, Wednesday, May 1st, 2019. Well, this is horrible. Um... Uh, <laughs> Okay, we're in uh, the city in front of the meat store. Uh, it's a little bit of an odd perspective on the meat store um, in that the sidewalk that abuts the meat store is extremely angled. So it moves from the, l the lower left corner of the panel and uh, to pretty much the exact center of the panel on a very hard, I guess, bias. I don't know if that's the right use of the word bias, but on a very hard angle um, with a lot of vanishing perspective, um, which is weird because the meat store itself is is depicted uh, not really in vanishing perspective. It is, it's on this sidewalk, um, but it just sort of is there. So the sidewalk itself, if we were to extend it out towards us, would become incredibly wide with time, and the buildings that abut it would get farther and farther and farther from the curb. But we don't need to worry about that because we don't actually uh, see that happen. Instead, we just see the action of the panel. So the meat store, like I said, it's a store. It's got meat in it. Uh, we see meat in the window. We also see the word meat written on the window. And then, and then, just in case you're not certain of what this store is, we have the word meat written above the awning. The meat store is also meat-colored. <laughs> so it is pink with a red awning. Then, standing in front of the meat store are the two gentlemen who work at the meat store. There are always two people at every uh, store so that they can talk to each other. They are always dressed like uh, they work in a store, no matter what the store sells So in, in the Heathcliff world. So that involves uh, weird paper hats that you never see anybody wearing anymore. Um, and, uh, and smocks, in this case, blue smocks. And then they're wearing blue jeans, it looks like. They're wearing bow ties, black bow ties, because, I mean, they work in a meat store. Of course they're wearing black bow ties. Also, the, the, the idea of a meat store in a city where uh, rents are very high and the margins must be very low, is, it's just impossibly quaint. But, you know, nothing in Heathcliff happens that uh, wouldn't have happened 500 years ago. Um. And then uh, we've got what's going on sort of in front of the meat store that isn't the two doofuses who work at the meat store. And what that is, walking away from the meat store in a really odd sort of perspective on him because is Heathcliff. And why, why I say it's odd is he's in the very lower corner of the panel. And he's holding a brown paper bag with some meat sticking out the top, which is disgusting. I mean, like, you go to this meat store and they just put sodden meat into a brown paper bag 
with no plastic or anything covering it. That's that is that has to violate every known statute. But again, that's what they did. They gave Heathcliff meat in a bag and sent him on his way. But he's turned back towards the entryway of the meat store so that he looks like he's sort of like in poltergeist or something. His head can turn all the way around. Uh, we can just see the his nose and his happy mouth. He's clearly happy, and he's waving goodbye back towards the meat store. Um, and again, you know, in the past I've said I, I don't believe that Gallagher likes drawing Heathcliff's face very much, and I think this is one of those situations where he just didn't want to do it. Um, standing between Heathcliff and the two guys who are standing at the meat store's entryway is a giant anthropomorphized ham. So, and, and it's not very anthropomorphized, to be clear. It's got stick legs with big floppy yellow sh shoes on and um, goofy uh, arms with white glove hands like Mickey Mouse wore or whatever. And then it's just a ham, a spiral cut ham with like the bone in the center, which is about where its eye would be. And then it's shaped like a ham with its butt being the pointy part. So that's real weird. Behind the ham in the entryway, the two uh, guys are, are standing there, and, and one of them, his mouth is open, the blonde guy. So he's providing the caption. The panel, the caption is, the mascot is a big hit. I suppose there's a lot of competition among the meat stores in town, so... This is an edge that one has developed. And it got Heathcliff apparently to pay because often he's seen as robbing the meat stores. So that's, that I suppose is um, a win right there, one in the win column. With that said, and maybe you need to see this visually, this doesn't look like a mascot as much as it looks like a gigantic living piece of meat. And meat itself was once alive. So the questions raised here, you know, are long and existential and disturbing and implicate this meat store in all of them. And I don't have time to get into a lot of them, but I'm operating under the assumption that the meat store itself has figured out how to raise zombie meat, bring it back to life, and is forcing it to dance in front of its store to bring in customers like Heathcliff. And I think, you know, that that's bad. I don't think they should have done that. So here's the meat, the Heath, here's the meat cliff. Here's the Heathcliff comic for Thursday. 
May 2nd, 2019. Oh, this is interesting. Okay, so we're in uh, the suburbs again on the street. Uh, we can assume this is the street in front of Heathcliff's home, though we cannot see Heathcliff's home. We just see a couple in the background of, like, uh, brutalist gray homes that are light-shifted to show that they are in the background. And then we got a tree. Um, and then we got uh, the street itself running from sort of mid-panel right down to the uh, lower panel left corner. Uh, and a little bit of um, lawn across the street, you know, in the bottom right corner. Um, in the background is the elderly woman who lives with Heathcliff. She's standing in a yard, so we can assume that she is um, standing in her yard. We can't see her feet for some reason. There appears to be a rise in the yard that is obscuring her feet. That would have to be a very significant rise to do that, and I think it was more just Gallagher just didn't feel like drawing feet. Aside from Heathcliff's expressions, he hates drawing feet and hands. You know, at a certain point, you do have to start to ask yourself, why does this guy who hates drawing all these things draw a, a comic where he would almost certainly have to draw a lot of these things? But I think Heathcliff is as much a trap for him as it is for anybody. Now, on the other side of the fence in the yard, um, is the elderly is the not elderly woman the woman who lives next to Heathcliff and what I what what got me to say well this is interesting about this particular panel is that she's pictured as she always is wearing uh, red well the elderly woman wears purple but there's what I'm assuming is a colorist's error her hair is white usually it's brown implying that she is younger. And that has caused me to draw all sorts of conclusions about her behavior. But in this panel, her hair is white, as if she has forgotten to dye it for a few days, and the dye has washed out, or, or she's undergone an incredible stress-fear reaction that has dyed her hair shock white. There are not a large number of potential explanations beyond simply the obvious one that this is a colorist's error. And I invite you to go on that journey yourself, because like I said, I'm trying to get through these ones quickly today. In the street itself is Heathcliff leading a parade of angry cats. All the cats are depicted with their at least one fist pumped in the air, their head tipped back, their mouth wide open. Again, this obscures Heathcliff's face, which Gallagher does not want to draw. So we don't see his eyes or much of his the facial features, just his wide open, angry mouth. And a bunch of the cats, including Heathcliff himself, are carrying um, signs, protest signs. And the protest signs all say, nap. In the background, the elderly woman who lives with Heathcliff, her mouth is open. And she is saying, they get cranky before a nap.
don't know if you've ever been to a protest. I've been to I've been to a bunch. Um, the good ones require some amount of planning. <laughs> I mean, even even the bad ones, like you don't just wind up with signs that say "nap." You have to have a sign making thing. People get together, they make the signs. You have to get everybody together, which means that like you have to send out invites, Facebook. You know, usually there's a permitting process, but some protests aren't sanctioned, and then the cops show up and try to arrest you. The point is, you know, I'm somebody who gets cranky before a nap too, but this was a day worth of planning, at least, for this protest, which means they've been cranky, cranky for a while here, Why is her hair white? Very, very, very interesting to find out why. Let's move on to the Heathcliff comic for um, Friday, May 3rd. This is super... Super weird. Um, I uh, took a little break to Google what is going on here. But first I'm going to describe what is going on. We're in the city and uh, in a sort of residential area of the city, so there are like some three-story brownstone buildings um, in the foreground, and then in between two of the buildings, there's a building to the extreme left of the panel and a building to the extreme right of the panel. It runs to the middle of the panel. Between the two buildings is an alleyway. There is a dumpster in the alleyway, a couple trash cans, a fence, and then we can see the buildings of the city sort of behind, beyond that. Drawn between the two buildings is like a line. It's either a phone line or maybe a, a drying line, you know, like the people would put their drying out on in the days before in-home washer-dryers. Now, on the... Uh, on the line is um, are, are seven pairs of mittens, um, and each is in a different color: uh, red, yellow, green, orange, purple, pink, and blue, moving from left to right. So they don't move in quite the Roy G. Biv um, pattern of an actual. Um, uh, uh, rainbow, but they do look rainbow-ish, which is weird. They're just sort of hanging there. They're they're connected to each other um, by a little line themselves, and then tossed over the um, the drying line, I guess. So that's strange. You usually don't see that. 
And then above that all on the top of the building are two bluebirds. There's a sort of Greek chorus we see often in Heathcliff comics. Now on the, on the ground level, on the sidewalk in front of the buildings are six cats. Five of the cap, cats are laughing. Uh, they're all walking on their hind legs, as cats always do in Heathcliff. There, five of the six cats are laughing. There's two yellow ones, a gray one, a white one, and a brown one. And the sixth cat is explaining something at the front of the pack. It's Heathcliff. He's saying something, and everybody's laughing at it because they're afraid of him. Um, I can't imagine that Heathcliff actually is funny. People are just very, very frightened of him. Anyway, Heathcliff has said something. The cats have all laughed. One of the bluebird's mouths is open. He's providing caption to the panel, and the caption is, Naughty Kittens. So if you Google um, Naughty Kittens and then the word mittens, which you would naturally probably do in this case, you will get a Mother Goose poem about kittens who lose their mittens, then find their mittens, then get to eat pie, then soil their mittens because they got pie on their mittens, and then they're like, oh, we smell, there's a rat nearby. I assume it's some sort of metaphor for for something that was going on politically at the time, um, but uh, I didn't Google that deeply. Um Whatever it is, it is not particularly relevant to anything that is happening in anybody's life today. Certainly nobody's life who's reading Heathcliff. And um, further, like why there are mittens in this at all, it's depicted as being summery weather outside. None of the, none of the cats are bundled up. Um it's the, the the sky is blue. There are blue birds in this panel. Also, there are seven pairs of mittens, and there are only six cats. So what happened to the seventh cat? Why are the mittens being over the line? Why do we assume that so, the cats lost those mittens as opposed to are just drying their mittens? Nothing. Ab- this is one of those Heathcliff panels where just like... a bunch of stuff is happening there's not really a clear explanation why and then somebody says a thing and it's supposed to explain it and it it doesn't it just does not here's the Heathcliff panel for Saturday May 4th 2019 we're in one of the many rooms in Heathcliff's home um this is a living room sort of thing standing in the arched entryway to that room, on the extreme right of the panel, are the elderly man and elderly woman who live with Heathcliff. In the middle of the room, taking up almost the rest of the panel from top to bottom, side to side, is a giant yellow package with a red bow on it. Uh, standing uh, in the lower right corner of the panel, uh, the showing that the by his relative size that the package must be like 10 feet tall is Heathcliff. 
Heathcliff, his head is tipped back, this time not in anger, but his mouth is wide open, and an actual word bubble is coming out of it, and the word yawn is coming out of it, um, sparing Gallagher the need to draw Heathcliff's face because Heathcliff is yawning so deeply. The man's mouth is open. He's speaking to the woman. From the caption to the panel, the caption is, You spoil him. Poor woman, like, went out, thought about Heathcliff, got him a nice gift, bought it back. Before it was even open, Heathcliff was not, was like, I'm not going to be impressed. And then on top of that, the shithead husband she has sees her do, try to do this nice thing. And really it's a nice thing for both of them because you got to keep Heathcliff happy or he will murder you. Again, he is like a mafioso style figure. He, he, he rules this neighborhood by fear. And the husband's like, you, you fuck this up. You really are just, you don't, you don't take good care of the cat as if the cat wouldn't take good care of them. you know what I mean? Anyway, that's sad. What a sad panel. Let's move on. Now, you don't do the Sunday panels here. I feel very strongly about that. A bunch of stuff uh, happened. It's very, very weird, but I'm not going to talk about it. Let's move on uh, to the uh, Heathcliff comic for Monday, May 6, 2019. We're in the city. Um, we can see the buildings of the city in the background, sort of in the extreme left of the panel, but we're pretty tight in on a, an establishment called market in the window. It says market and we can see through the window and the doorway to a checkout cashier guy who's dressed like the meat guys, but apparently they want it like, this is one of the few diversified businesses in the city they sell a variety of goods here, therefore, market. So like I said, in the background of the panel is, uh, is a guy who's wearing a black bow tie. He's wearing um, uh, a blue smock. Standing in front of him is a woman who is checking out, you know, finishing her purchases. Um, and then on the sidewalk in front of the market is Heathcliff. And Heathcliff's walking down the sidewalk. He's got heavily lidded eyes. He's he's relaxed. And he's blowing a bubble in bubble gum, as he often is. But he's not using it to fly this time. And uh, if you haven't been listening for a long time, you may be going, what? Yep, he does that. In this case, encased in the bubble he's blown are um, three bananas, yellow bananas in the bubble. The um, gentleman who uh, runs the checkout, his mouth is open. He's providing the caption to the panel. Presumably, he's speaking to the woman uh, who has just come up to him with her goods. And he is saying, we no longer use plastic bags. And I guess my question is, is, this, is, the bu- is the blowing the bubble Heathcliff's personal solution to this? Or is it the solution they mandate you use 
at the store. Because, I mean, if they no longer use plastic bags, A, this is much more topical than a normal Heathcliff. But um, B, you have, a, you have a wide variety of options. You can bring your own bags. You can just carry your stuff. Uh, if you didn't know this policy, you can say, oh, I'll go home and get something and come back. But it does seem like he's explaining to this woman that she's going to have to blow a bubble and carry her stuff in gum in front of her nose to the f for the distance to her home, which... I mean, I guess he had to explain that to Heathcliff as well, and Heathcliff did it. So, <laughs> I just scrolled down, by the way, to uh, click the uh, the next comic in line, and the, t the top comment on this uh, um, Heathcliff comic, because it's right under, you know, that interface is... Just a guy screaming, please bring back paper bags. I don't know if you know this, sir, but this is not the forum in which your comment is going to have any impact at all. Um, imagine if it was, though, if commenting on Heathcliff in any way, either this podcast or, or just in the comments field, of Heathcliff, if commenting on Heathcliff in any way um, provided some sort of political movement, that'd be amazing. If you had to comment on Heathcliff in order to, to, to affect any political change, I'd love to live in that world. Wouldn't you? So here's the Heathcliff comic for Tuesday, May 7th, 2019. Uh, we're in Heathcliff's home um, in a living area, one of many. Um, through the archway, we can see one of the many kitchens in the home. In that kitchen is the elderly woman who lives with Heathcliff. She's working away at something. In the living area is Iggy, He's sort of uh, in the uh, center of the panel um, looking at something. And what he's looking at is the now, again, brown-haired woman who lives next door. She has come over and sat herself down in the blue chair that is often seen in, the, in uh, this sort of living area or these living areas. Um, so she's seated there, still wearing her uh, pink skirt suit thing. And seated on her lap is Heathcliff. He's holding aloft a placard or a card of some sort. It's about the same size as Heathcliff. It's yellow, and it's got the number two written on it. Iggy, hands thrust deep in pockets, is speaking. He's providing caption to the panel, and um, he's saying, "That's your petting score." So Heathcliff, um, difficult animal that he is, has decided that uh, this woman is giving a 
suboptimal form of attention to him and has made his feelings on that clear. And rather than uh, say, well, I'm sorry, this cat is being so inhospitable, you who we have invited over or who has snuck in here because that also seems likely given this woman's behavior in the past, whether or not you are now a guest, in, however you got here, you're now a guest in our home and this cat has been shitty to you. I'm sorry about that. Instead, Iggy's like, oh, you're doing it wrong. He's letting you know. Just FYI. Anyway, I'm going to keep thrusting my hands into my pockets and wandering around being weird. Good for you, Iggy. Keep it up, kiddo. Um, here's the Heathcliff comic for Wednesday, May 8th, 2019. We're in a vet's office, we can tell, because... In the background on the wall is sort of a certificate, um, you know, the type you would, or diploma, the type you get when you graduate veterinary school, and it just says the word vet on it. And then we can see some other, like, sort of cabinets with some probably drugs or, like, swabs. Uh, we can see a filing cabinet in the extreme right of the panel. In the center of the panel, there's a scale. Standing on the scale is Heathcliff. Heathcliff is holding an enormous lollipop. Um, standing next to Heathcliff, to panel right, also Heathcliff's right, because Heathcliff's back is to us, as Heathcliff is often drawn in uh, furthering the alienation and sense of detachment. We see Heathcliff's facial features very little uh, and often see him only with his back to us which is incredibly weird. The more I think about it, the more that's weird. Why do we only see Heathcliff from behind? What does that say about our peer into his world? I'm sure I'll have more to th th say about that as I think about it. But um, for now, we'll leave it there because Heathcliff's holding a giant lollipop. It's pink with a swirl next to him. On his right, panel right as well, because his back to is to us, is the vet himself. The vet is wearing black pants. He's got a white sort of like doctor's coat over those and a black tie. His hand is in a pocket because Gallagher hates drawing hands, though one of his hands is extended to the scale. He's clearly like moving the little weights around on the scale. And he is saying, lay off the giant lollipops. Seems like Heathcliff could just put down the giant lollipop and get an accurate accounting of his weight, but um, that would make him um, agreeable. It's odd that Heathcliff goes to the vet at all, you know, let alone that the vet is well, so willing to mouth off to him. Um, I assume Heathcliff would just sort of believe that Heathcliff's in perfect health, where, whether or not he is. Um, narcissists usually do, you know, nothing... Having been raised by one, nothing um, nothing can harm a narcissist, according to a narcissist. And they're always in the perfect picture of health because they cannot comprehend that anything would be happening that wouldn't be going well for them. And anything that 
you would normally be like, whoa, that's tough. I'm sorry. They'd be like, oh, this is not tough at all. I'm, this is clearly something I planned because everything goes according to my plan. And then they, you know, back edit reality and history to, um, until it comports with that sort of idea. Point is they don't go to doctors much. That got dark. Let's move on. Here's the Heathcliff panel for Thursday, May 9th, 2019. What the hell? Okay, so um, we're in, I think, a police station in the far, in, in, on the right side of the panel, there's a doorway into the room we're in. It is ajar. We can see written on the doorway backwards the word mugshots. So clearly you're meant to know when you're approaching this, this is the room in which mugshots occur. Um, standing against the wall, holding a, uh, a placard, uh, and the wall has um, uh, foot markers on it, you know, like for how tall you are, is, is Heathcliff. Heathcliff is revealed to be slightly over two feet tall. So that's canon now. Um, and uh, so that's against the back wall, sort of in the middle of the panel. And the, in the extreme foreground of the panel are two cops, one who has a cop's hat on and the other who is an older detective guy, I guess, standing to his right. They're standing in front of a camera. The cop is like readying the camera to take a picture of Heathcliff. <sighs> On the placard itself is the word sprinkles with a number 032516 under it. Sprinkles, 032516. The older of the two detectives, is his mouth is open. He's providing captions to the panel, and he's saying, we suspect it's an alias. And I wonder if this is a subtle commentary on... Um, the ineffectiveness or um, Gallagher's perception of the police as being, you know, either by design or by fault, you know, out of touch. But Heathcliff has in the past been shown riding a gigantic robot that spits flame um, and terrorizing an entire city. On multiple occasions, he's committed, you know, minor to major crimes in this city and in the town he lives in. And you have to imagine that he's known to the police, even if they haven't put together the case against him, seems like they'd probably know who he is. 
why they're just accepting that he's going by Sprinkles, even if they suspect it's an alibi, why they wouldn't just be like, no, that's Heathcliff. That's obviously Heathcliff. Look at him. He's the only cat we ever see that looks like that because that's the other case. Like, also, his father, who does actually look somewhat like him, is repeatedly shown as wearing jail clothing. These are the worst cops in the world if they don't know who Heathcliff is. Come on, guys, get it together. Anyway, here's a Heathcliff comic for Friday, May 10th, 2019. And boy, is it weird. We're in uh, the home. Um, in this case, we're in front of a wall that we often see that has... Um, uh, wallpaper that's like cross-hatched and white. Um, but again, everything is constantly shifting in, in Heathcliff's home. The dimensional gates are constantly opening and closing and time and space make very little, very little sense there. Regardless, we're in front of that wall and then the background around the corner, you can see sort of one of the living spaces with a lamp and a couch, low end table. And then sort of in front of that room around the corner from the wall with the cross hatching in this, I mean, like I'm, tr I'm describing this as best I can, but it, it, it actually doesn't line up like space actually looks like it's breaking here. But regardless around the corner from this wall, are the elderly man who lived with Heathcliff, he looks cross, and Iggy. Both of them have their hands in their pockets because, mm, why not make everybody look like a creep? Anyway, uh, then in the foreground, in front of the wall with the, with the wallpaper, is Heathcliff. His back is to us because, again, why would anything be normal ever? His back's to us, but we can tell that he's angry because, like, we can see his mouth is downturned and, like, like uh, curse dust is coming out of it. Uh, yeah, that's how I would describe it anyway. Standing in front of him with, you know, facing us are three sad-looking mice. They've got their hands behind their backs. They're looking at the ground in sort of an aw shucks kind of way. So Heathcliff is chewing out these mice. Also, on Heathcliff's head is a uh, set of Mickey Mouse ears. Like I said, the elderly man is looking at this angrily, and Iggy, his mouth is open, he's providing the caption of the panel, and he's saying he's giving them a good scolding. Why is he wearing Mickey Mouse ears when he does that? Like, it is not commented on at all in the panel. I almost didn't mention it because, quite frankly, like, it's one of those things where, like, you ever see that video where, like, I forget exactly what's happening in it, but, like, 
at the end of it, it says, did you see the gorilla? And because it is just not something you're looking for, uh, like most people do not see the fact that a gorilla walks through the panel, beats its chest, or a guy in a gorilla suit, I should say, beats its chest and then walks out because there, the, there's like a dance party or something going on in the foreground. But yeah, it happens. And in this panel, Heathcliff is wearing Mickey Mouse ears. I don't know why. It's not necessary for the panel. And, and what's happening in the panel is not particularly a joke anyway. It's, again, there's this weird collision of stuff. And by the way, at the same time, the, the drawing of the panel foreground background kind of makes it look like reality is falling apart. So it could just be that a bunch, like a wormhole open, a bunch of different th things collided together uh, met for like a quarter second, Iggy in a, in a brief period of, uh, hallucinatory commentary just said, he's giving them a good skull. And then like they all, it all like disappeared and, and, and like randomly, like all we see of the Heathcliff world is like those moments when like these various disparate elements are, are, are slammed together by time and space before being rent asunder. Like, this is their hell, you know? They're all just sort of vanishing and uh, and then reemerging in this cosmic soup over and over and over again throughout time. Or, or I mean, I, I think that's probably the most obvious solution to the question of what happened here. <sighs> Boy, oh boy. All right. Here's the Heathcliff comic for Saturday, May 11th. That'll catch us up. This is the last one. We're in front of a shoe store. Same basic setup as, like, all of the recent um, establishments. It says shoes on the window. It's red awning. It's color of the meat store, so maybe it moved in after the meat store failed. Walking out of the shoe store with a self-satisfied expression on his face is Heathcliff. Heathcliff is wearing brown shoes, and we can actually see him. He's facing us. He's walking towards, he's walking towards the, the street. He's going to walk into the street, but I assume Heathcliff just does that, and he knows that the cars will stop for him. Standing in the uh, shoe store's doorway are a man and woman who work at the shoe store. It looks like it's the woman who lives next door to Heathcliff. She's wearing a skirt suit thing, though she's wearing a purple one. So she may have taken over, or this may be how she's starting to take over. And then there's a man wearing blue jeans and a blue tie standing next to her. They both seem to be wearing employee identification cards on their lapels, which is weird, because they work in a shoe store. Why would they need that? Also... Just as a matter of course, I have been in some very friendly establishments in my time. Shook hands with the owner after making the, 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 the sale or the agreement or whatever and walked out and they have not seen me to the door or followed me out to comment on me. That would make me feel incredibly weird, but it happens all the time in Heathcliff. Anyway, they're watching him exit and the man's mouth is open. He's providing the caption to the panel and his caption is, Puss in loafers. So instead of 
Boots, it's loafers. Puss in boots, puss in loafers. I don't know. Is that a joke? I'm legitimately asking the question. I don't know if that is a joke. But what I do know, he said, segueing nicely, is that we have reached the end of this particular podcast for this particular week. Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, Please do not rate or review this on iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or whatever other uh, podcast-catching app you use that is not necessary. It doesn't help this podcast. What it does do is it gives um, uh, them data that they then turn into advertising, and I don't like that. So instead, just um, if you like it, send me an email. If you don't like it, send me an email. If you have any feedback, send me an email. Um, I would love to hear from you at all about any of this. Uh, you can email me at yourpalgarbageape at gmail.com. That's yourpalgarbageape at gmail.com. And um, I hope you have a really great time until I get to talk to you again. All right. Be good. <laughs>